0: Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dallas Montague, and here in the studio today, we have another amazing guest, Marcus Thomas. Marcus, thank you for being here today. How are you?
2: I'm excellent. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing pretty good today. It's a pretty sunny day here. It's been a great week so far. And Marcus, where are you calling from today?
2: I'm from Columbus, Ohio.
1: Okay. And today we're here to talk about your book, Life Lessons from Millrace Drive. It's a 10-day Christian devotional, and I'm excited to hear why you named it this here. And you say there's an incredible story behind it. And so before we get started with any of the book and the devotional, I just want to give you some time to tell your story to our listeners today and kind of where the book started from. So you can go ahead and take the next five to 10 minutes and share some of that information with us.
2: Yeah. So the book, um, it was actually, so it's a funny story. My wife and I were actually having a conversation and this started a few years ago and we were going through a difficult time. And my wife said, you know what, we're going through a pretty difficult time. And I said, yeah, it's difficult, but not nearly as difficult as it was when we lived on Mill Race Drive. Mm -hmm. And we both kind of laughed about it. And then in that moment, God spoke to me and God said, what did you learn on Mill Race Drive? And I got a pen to paper. I always try to keep a pen to paper handy. And if I don't, I use the notes app on my phone. Like if you look at my phone, my notes app is like crazy <laughs> with uh, Bible verses or sermons that God will give me or just, you know, ideas and things like that. And so I got a pen to paper out and God started telling me like chapter one, this is it chapter two this is this is what you learned and with each lesson that god gave me there was a verse that followed up behind it um showing that you know the, this is what i've been teaching you and it's all you know biblically based and that's where the book really came from it started with a conversation between me and my wife and god kind of took me back to that moment me and my wife had just been married um only a few years and god kind of took me back to those moments and said you know it was in this moment in this place that really built the foundation for who you are for your marriage for your family and even though it seemed like it was a trial and you know it seemed like it was you know difficult and and something that you know with a bad experience you you know god kind of allowed me to see it through a new filter where you know what was this like tragic moment in my life actually was god setting me up um for success in the future
0: You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors.
1: Do you have a favorite Bible verse? ChristianWalls.com will have it. ChristianWalls.com makes Bible verse art for your home, office, living room, and more. Imagine your favorite scripture on the wall. ChristianWalls.com can put your favorite Bible verse on the wall. ChristianWalls.com's goal is to bring God's Word into your home through beautiful art. ChristianWalls.com can also make custom designs for you. They can also take a family picture and add scripture to that as well. Check out ChristianWalls.com to brighten up your home today.
2: Kwaku Menza's new book, God Cares But Do We?, is a critical narration of the lack of morals and values of today's world. Recent release, God Cares But Do We?, from Newman Springs Publishing, discusses the lack of morals and values in today's modern world with an insightful conversation that every person should ask about himself. Find your copy on Amazon today.
1: And if you don't mind giving just a little bit of that, maybe it's personal, but what were some of those difficulties you and your wife were going through on Mill Race Drive?
2: So, um, no, that's that's a great question. I talk about that in the book, but... Um, it was a lot of crazy things. So we bought that. We were, we were going to buy this house, but I didn't have the credit score at the time to purchase it. So what we decided to do and what the owners allowed us to do was we did a lease to own option. So we made payments on it every single month. And then at the end, I think it was like a year and a half, two years, whatever we had paid on it, um, would go towards the purchase of the home. And so that was kind of the plan for that. And so, um, that right there was um, kind of a struggle because then what happened was financially it became a struggle. Um, We had just had our second daughter And she was, one of the issues that we had was she was extremely colicky. Um, We couldn't get her to go to sleep. My wife was nursing her and couldn't keep up her milk supply. We tried a lot of different formulas and she couldn't keep anything down. She had acid reflux, everything, every formula she threw up. And that was a, that was one difficulty. And then after having her, my wife struggled really bad with postpartum depression. And so, between the newborn baby, my wife with postpartum, going through financial difficulties. Um, It was just kind of a a lot to go through at one time. And we were still fairly young. And I believe we were like 26, I think. Um, So we were still fairly young. And we had only been married, like I said, I think maybe two or three years. So, you know, there was that while we were there too. Our house ended up getting broken into. And my wife came home one day and the front door had been kicked in and um so she sat she called the police called her parents and they had went in and ransacked our house Man. um we had it, it we had a tornado touchdown down where we lived at i kid you not um and it took out thank god it wasn't worse than what it was it actually just took out our fence um it took out our lawn furniture it's like it just hit down in the backyard hmm. um but it, it wiped a lot of things out in our backyard, but the house itself was okay. You know, we had to replace some siding, but overall the house was okay. But yeah, we had a tornado um, that touched down. One of my daughters, we had um, ended up having our third daughter while we lived there. And she was sitting on um, a table on a bouncy seat. And my wife was cooking and the way our kitchen was set up was the table, like you could see straight ahead to so the table was right in front of her. And my, I believe it was my oldest daughter at the time, wanted to see the baby. So she tried to jump up and grab her and pulled her off the table Mm -hmm. and um, flipped her down. And so that was another incident that happened. There were were just so many things, but even in each of these trials and everything that we had gone through, we were really able to see God's provision. You know, like with my daughter who couldn't keep formula down, um, we had a pastor friend of ours who called us and he said, you know, we have a food pantry here at the church, and someone donated three cases of baby formula. We don't have any newborns in our church, so I thought of you, and I told him, I said, we have, I said, we do have a newborn baby. I said, but we can't find a formula that she keeps down. Everything she throws back up. I said, but I'll take them and we'll try it and see. And it was the only formula that she would keep down. Wow. And we had three cases of it, and it lasted until she was able to move on to to milk. Um, that was that was absolutely amazing um you know when our house got broken into there's actually a chapter in the book it's called the grinch who stole my xbox and it's about when our house got broken into and so what had happened previously to that was I was at work, and me and my wife worked almost opposite ends of town, and I was a store manager at a shoe store at the time. She went out to her car to start it, and her car wouldn't start. And she's like, something's wrong with my SUV. I can't get to start. And I'm like, all right, I'm leaving work. I'm going to come, and um, I'll come get the car started, but then I have to go back to work because I have to close tonight. So I left work, drove across town, got her car started. She was late picking up the, our daughter's daycare, so my in-laws had to go pick her up. So, or pick up the kids. So then she had to go over there to get the kids and go back home. Well, what seemed like, you know, this massive inconvenience, I'm like, great. You know, now I've been stuck in traffic. I had to drive from one end of town to the other end of town. But had that not happened, my wife would have been home when they broke in.
1: And my
2: wife and daughters, we don't, I don't know what would have happened, but it would seem like, you know, this massive inconvenience in my life, like, oh, no, I have to do this was really God's way of protecting me and my family. And so often in life, we think that, you know, we're encountered with inconveniences and things, you know, oh, I'm running late, or I couldn't find my keys, or, you know, I have a flat tire. And, you know, we want to get annoyed, but, what if that's God's way of protecting us from something that we couldn't even see Mm -hmm. and so I became very thankful for that you know I'm looking and you know even though they flipped over our couches pulled out all of our drawers went like had our cabinets open the only thing they actually stood this uh, this was actually a few days after Christmas the only thing they stole was my Xbox my wife bought me an Xbox 360 for Christmas and the only thing they stole the Xbox they left they even left the games (laughs) just the Xbox and they trashed our house, but that was it. And, you know, I was thankful for that. And that night I went to bed and I'm like, staying up worrying. I'm like, what if they come back? I'm like, you know, the the door has been busted down. We kind of like rigged it so that it was up there. And my father-in-law was going to come back and help me fix it the next day. And I'm like, you know, what if they decide to come back? and, And, you know, who are these people? And God reminded me of a verse that said, he that watches over Israel, neither slumbers nor rests. And God's like, I got it. I protected you and your family so that you weren't here when this happened. I will make sure that you're safe. And at that moment, me and God kind of made a pact. And the pact was, I won't worry about what's going to happen. I'm going to sleep because if you're going to be up anyways, I might as well just let you take care of it. And so, and it has been something that I've, you know, um, I've kept that promise. I don't lose sleep over problems or situations or circumstances um, because God has it. God's in control ultimately, and if I trust God, He's going to take care of it. And so I just I sleep and I let God take care of everything else.
1: That's an amazing testimony. Well, thank you. <laughs> I can look back and think of so many times that are similar to what you're saying. Like, oh, this inconvenience happened, but God was protecting me. That's so cool how He works and how He. He protects us, but sometimes we don't even realize it. We don't even sit and be thankful. We're just upset, <laughs> but we need to, like you say, it, take that thankfulness and be like, "Wow, God, thank you for the inevitable things that could have happened that that you're protecting me from." I don't know. It's we could get crazy with it, but thankfulness is is huge.
2: You're a hundred percent correct. It, it is. We we often take for granted how God is protecting us, and we don't even know. There have been I. I, sometimes I sit and when I'm, in, you know, when I'm in church and I'm worshiping and I just think, you know, um, God, you sent an angel to stop a car from hitting me. And I didn't even know it. You know, how many things mm-hmm. have you done that I was blissfully unaware of, but you kept me safe. And I said, for all those times that I'm unaware of, I just want to say, thank you.
1: And that's huge. It's huge. I see a few other chapter titles here. One of them says, A Tale of Two Fathers, A Lesson on Forgiveness. The the Devil is a Liar and So is the Electric Company.
2: Yeah. So A Tale of Two Fathers was probably the most emotional one to write. And the reason for that was because I had to confront um, my own demons and I had to confront, you know, I, I, I told myself, you know, and when, when you know when tragedy happens or bad things happen or especially when people cause you know tragedy or harm to you um bible says to forgive them and so i had really thought i had forgiven the people that had caused me the most harm and it turned out it was my fathers so uh, my biological father and then my stepfather so when i was 4 years old one of my first memories that i can remember is my father but the memories aren't good um i remember him my mom arguing and fighting i remember my father you know pinning my mom to the bed and then i also remember him yelling at my mom arguing back and forth and he you know says he's leaving and i remember grabbing his leg and crying and telling him not to leave don't leave me don't leave me please stay don't leave and he left and you know my dad i don't want to say he was permanently gone because he wasn't i would still see my father um, he had, you know, he could see us on the weekends, but what my dad would do is he would always say, you know, Hey, I'm coming to visit you. And he would never show up. I would have my bags packed. I'd sit on the front porch and there I am waiting all day. And my mom's like, well, why don't you come inside? Or maybe he's not coming. Um, or I'd sit by the window and my mom's like, you know, I don't think he's coming. I'm like, no, he said he was coming. He said he was coming. And I would just wait all day and he would never show up. Um, I don't think my dad ever watched me play basketball or soccer, um, and you know we had a very rocky relationship. And what happened while living on Millrace Drive? Um, I had, like I said, I had two of my daughters, and I remember pulling in the driveway one day, and I didn't get out of the car. I just sat in the car, and I one of my favorite things is to walk in the house when I get home from work because my daughter would just run and grab me and I loved it. And I thought about that and I thought about how, you know, when I had to go away for work, for business, how I just missed them. I missed them so much and I hated being away from them and I had to, you know, call my wife and let me talk to them or try to FaceTime them and I hated being away from them. And as I'm sitting in my car, I'm thinking, I love my daughter so much. I hate, you know, being away from them. How in the world could my dad have just left me like that? How in the world could you say you were coming to get me and never show up? How could you do that? Like I can't do I couldn't do that to my kids. How could you just so how could you just walk away like that? And so I I called him. And my dad and me, I don't think I I, I think I was probably maybe 26 when this happened. Me and my dad have never had a real conversation. Most of our conversations were, hey, how are you doing? You know, I'd ask him, how's grandma? And he said, you know, how, you know, how's this going? How's school? How's work? Blah, blah, blah. But we never had like a real conversation. And so I called my dad and he answered the phone in his very happy-go-lucky way. Hey, hey, how are you doing, son? What's going on? And I said, me and you need to have a conversation. And he's like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I need to know how you could leave me and how you could say you would come get me and never show up. I said, I look at my daughters every day and I couldn't possibly think of leaving them or going a day without seeing them. Wow, that's heavy. So I need to know how you were able to do that and and not bat an eye to it. And for the first time in my entire life, me and my dad talked. And my dad told me, he said, not a day goes by that I don't come home and sit in this empty apartment of mine and realize that you and your sisters are adults and I missed it. I missed Everything. And he goes, and that is my biggest regret in life. And he said, I can't make it up to you. And he said, honestly, he said, Your mom, I figured your mom raising you would have been the best thing for you. He said, I was not a good person. I was not in a good place. And you were meant to be something greater than me. And I didn't want to influence you. And so I stayed away from you. And he said, You know, God called you to be a minister. And he goes, And I knew that. And I didn't want to influence you. And so we we had a conversation. and He did. He said, I'm so sorry. And he said, I regret it. And he told me, he said, I can't change what I've done, but I can do better going forward. And he said, what if and I, I told him, I said, what if we start by just talking every week? What if we build there? What if we talk every week? And he said, I can do that. I promise I can do that. And from that moment till now, my dad calls me every week, every week, like clockwork. My dad calls to see what's going on. He comes down. We live about two and a half hours away. He comes and he visits my daughters. He never misses a birthday, Christmas. Um, he's always there. And that was never the way it was before. My dad will call me now and he'll say, hey, son, I'm having a rough day at work. Can you pray with me about this? I'm I'm going through right now. Can we pray together? That was never the person that my dad was but I knew that God changed him. And so we were able to build this relationship and I was able to heal and forgive him through this encounter by through that, having that conversation. Um, And it was truly an amazing experience. And so where my dad was out, my stepfather was in, and my stepfather was a pretty decent guy, but he was an alcoholic. And so when he would drink, he was not the nicest of men. And I remember one time I heard him and my mom yelling and they got into a fight and he got physically violent with my mother. He cheated on my mother. Um, And what was, I guess, the, the last straw, at least for my mom, I remember I was about 14 years old and he came home. He was drunk and I think he was high on some sort of drug. And he walked upstairs to their bedroom and he shut the door. And I'm sitting in my room watching TV and I hear my mom scream my name. And I could hear him yelling and screaming and hitting her. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is the last time this will ever happen. And so I had um, I had gone to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania a few years ago and I had gotten a Civil War sword and I kept it as like a memento. And I remember drawing that sword and I said, this is it. I said, I'm going to end him once and for all because I'm tired. Um, and it wasn't just hitting my mom. Uh, most of it was directed towards me. He would, as he would say, toughen me up. But his toughening up would be, you know, punching me for no reason. Um, and he would do things to provoke me. I remember one time my mom called my dad to ask a question. He started cussing at my dad on the phone. I told him to stop and he took me and he hit me in the chest and I flew across the room and I hit our grandfather clock and broke the door. Um, he pushed me one time in the chest again, and I got up and I ran after him and he slammed a screen door in my face. And I went, through it and cut my arm, so my left arm was all cut up because he had shut this door in my face and I went through it. And he didn't apologize; he just laughed the whole time. Uh, I remember one time he found a BB gun, and as I was outside playing, he started shooting at me with this BB gun. And so I I drew this sword, and at that moment I said I I can't take this anymore. I said I'm going to stop this once and for all. And I started walking down the hall with this sword. And in that moment, God spoke to me, and God said. If you don't kill him, he will kill you. Put it back." And I knew it was God and I, I could feel it in this urge to stop and I went and I put it back in its sheath and I opened the door to my mom's room and I jumped on him and I tried to like put him in a sleeper hold and he was a muscular guy and he threw me across the room. But when he did, I fell on the floor and I dialed 911 and slipped the phone under the bed. And hope that someone would come. And so then I went and I started attacking him and trying to protect my mom. And we ended up fighting. We fought down the stairwell where, we, you know, we were fighting down the stairs. I fell down the stairs, um, got up, went after him again. Well, then he went towards my sisters and I went in my sister's room and grabbed my sisters. And I gathered my sisters and I, I shielded them. I put them underneath me and I shielded them with my back and I... Couldn't I wanted to pray, but I couldn't think of the words to say. And the only Bible verse I could remember was part of Psalm twenty-three. And I just kept saying over and over again, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I said it over and over again. And he came into the room after my sisters, and I just kept saying it. And it was as if something got between me and him and was pushing him back. And I found a Bible, and I opened it up, and I just started reading. I couldn't even tell you what I was reading. I was just reading it and asking God for help. And it was as if he got in my face, and something kept repelling him backwards and backwards. And then there was a knock at the door, and the police had showed up. 911 um, had dispatched someone, and he was removed from our home. And that was one of the last times that I had seen him. I saw him one more time before I had gotten married. And he ended up making a a very snide remark about my wife. And I never spoke to him after that again. And then I got a phone call from my mom telling me that he had passed away years later. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I kind of was like numb to it. Like, well, you know, he passed away, no biggie and uh, went on about my life. And then it wasn't until Mill Race Drive, I was I was working at a shoe store. And that's kind of a common theme of Mill Race Drive. I had a lot of jobs. So it's like during this experience, what job am I doing now? Um, but I was working at, at the shoe store. And what happened was I had, had a dream one night. And in this dream, I'm sitting down with my stepfather and I am letting him have it. I'm telling him everything that I thought about him, everything that he had done wrong to me. And I am just, you know, laying into him. And then I woke up and I'm like, huh, so I go to work that day and I'm, you know, I'm the only person in the store. I opened the store, only person there. There were no customers that day. It was a really slow day. And I started thinking about that dream and I go, huh? I go, well, you know what? He got exactly what he deserved. He was a real monster. Hmm. And in that moment, God spoke to me and God said, I don't create monsters. And I go, what? And God said, I don't make monsters. He became a monster. Alcohol made him a monster. His circumstances made him a monster, but I don't create monsters. And then God started reminding me of what he was. And God said, when the other little boys had their dads help them build Pinewood Derby cars and your dad didn't show up, Who helped you build that car? And I go, my stepdad did. And God said, when you had pneumonia and you were home from school for a week, who brought you movies and rented you movies and brought you snacks every day while you were home? And I go, well, Mike did. He goes, and who would take you to go race remote control cars? And I go, well, Mike did. And God said, he wasn't always a monster. When your sister had that slumber party, who went to that claw machine at Kroger's and won every little girl a stuffed animal? And I go, well, Mike did. And God said, "I don't make monsters. Hmm. Wow, sin corrupts people, sin hurts people, but I don't create monsters. I'm the one who saves them. And in that moment it was I mean it was a rush of emotion and tears started flowing down my face and I couldn't I couldn't help it. i'm I'm glad no one was in the store um and I just I started crying and I kept crying, I kept crying, and I told God I'm like, you're right. He wasn't a monster. Sin makes people turn into monsters. But it's the love of Jesus Christ that truly sets us free and I'm you know I, I wish he would have been able to have experienced that, but in that moment, I forgave him because I saw him not as a human being, but I was able to see him through the eyes of God. and in that moment, I could forgive him and it had set me free as if all these weights and all these chains had fallen off of me and I was being, and I was set free. And so in this chapter, it talks about reconciling my relationship with my fathers. One was dead and the other was still alive and how God was able to free me from that. And uh, then, you know, the devil is a liar. And so the electric company, Mm -hmm. part of uh, my struggle there was financial. And I remember one day the electric company called and they said, you know, we're shutting off the electric today. And I'm like, you know, I, if you can just give me till tomorrow, I'll have the money tomorrow. And they're like, we can't, you know, we have to do this. And I'm like, I have, um, I have a newborn baby. I, I don't, I don't know what to do. I said, can you please just give me one more day? And they said, we can't give you a day. We're coming out this afternoon and we're shutting off your electricity. And so I went and to my room and I shut the door and I got on my knees and I just prayed and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have the money to do this. And I, and I, one of the things that I learned to do when I prayed was to remind God of his promises. Mm-hmm. And I told God, you promised in your word that you would supply all of my needs. And I said, I need you to make a way. I need you to supply my need. I need you to provide. And that night, we had to, we had church that evening and I told my wife, I said, can you call your parents and see if we could stay with them tonight until tomorrow and I can pay the electric bill. So she called my in-laws and they said, we could come over, we could stay the night. So we had came home from church that evening and I expected our electricity to be shut off, but I remembered I needed to grab something for one of the babies. So I had to go inside the house and do that. And we pulled up into the driveway and I noticed that our doorbell light was on. And I go, well, that must be weird. It must not be connected to anything else. I said, "There, the electricity is supposed to be turned off. And I'm like, well, let me just see. So I pressed our garage door opener, and the garage opened. And I'm like, well, that's funny, because the electricity is supposed to be off. So I went into the house and turned on the lights, and the lights came on. My wife's like, you said they were coming out to turn off. I said, they did. I said, I begged them, I pleaded, I cried, and they said, we're coming out today to turn the electricity off. I'm like, I don't know how it's on. Mm -hmm. And God showed me in that moment, he said, I will provide And it doesn't, you, you were, God's like, you expected me to provide financially, but I don't need money to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I can keep your electricity on whether you have the money for it or not. And God showed me in that moment, he will provide every single time. It may not always look how we want it to look. It may not be the way we expect it to be, but He provides every single time.
1: Hmm, wow, Marcus, this is incredible. Just three little stories, little chapters, and it's so encouraging. Every single story you shared, it's like I can see it with my own eyes.
2: It's amazing. Well, thank you. I thank you. I, I appreciate that. And when I did this, you know, it's there are ten chapters. The chapters really aren't very big. Um, my sister-in-law read it, and she's like, you know, I'm a slow reader, she goes, but I, um, she goes, it was very easy to read. She's like, I love the fact that you, you know, did it through stories, and each chapter is a day of a devotional, and so when you read, it it has the chapter name, the life lesson in it, and then the Bible verse that goes with it. And um, yeah, it, it really is meant to encourage and uplift people and to provide hope for people, And, you know, one of the hardest things I think it is for people to do is to really share themselves and share their mistakes and share their failures and and things like that, because we think that people are going to judge us for it. But really, the Bible says we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It's by sharing our story with others that we are truly set free. And so um, God allowed me to be able to share that with other people.
1: It's amazing. And Marcus, where can we find this devotional?
2: So you can get it on Amazon. You can either type in my name, Marcus Thomas, or type in Life Lessons from Mill Race Drive at Amazon, and you can get it on Amazon. There is a paperback version and there is an ebook version as well. Excellent.
1: Well, Marcus, it's been a huge pleasure to have you today. Thank you for sharing your stories and opening up a little bit about your book. Check out this book, guys. The link is going to be in the description below. You can click on that and buy the book. Marcus, if I can have you in the podcast with a prayer today, I would really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Dear gracious heavenly Father, as we come before you, we just thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to be able to spread hope to other people, Um, people around the world. I thank you for this ministry and this mission and for what you are doing, Father God, to just get the gospel out there, heavenly Father. Lord, I pray right now for every person that is out there, Lord, under the sound of our voices, that you will bless them in a special way. I don't know what they're going through, I don't know what situations they they are encountering, but what I do know is that you are faithful. What I do know is that you said you were able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So I ask that you will bless every listener today, Father God, whether it's financially, whether it's spiritually, whether they need a healing for their soul. I pray that you touch them in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you will order their steps, Father God, and keep them Heavenly Father. Lord, let them know that you love them, Father God, and that there is no such thing as too far gone, because you will go to the ends of the earth to reach us, and I thank you. Bless this ministry, Father God. Bless this podcast. Continue to allow it to touch people, Heavenly Father, to reach souls, Heavenly Father, and to gain more souls for your kingdom. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.